Hello, it's Coach Mark and Minella here from ESLBusinessEnglishExperts.com and of course Initial-Impact.com. I hope wherever you're listening to me, you're having a great, wonderful day and a good future ahead. Whatever you're creating and trying to attract, I wish you all the very best with it. Now today, I just want to speak a bit more about IELTS because it is something that is a hot topic at the moment. Many of you are going out there and trying to get those high-level scores and I wanted more specifically to discuss some of the problems I'm seeing when we're talking about the speaking side. Now clearly in IELTS um, there is the speaking, the reading, the listening and the writing. Um, Today I just want to focus on the speaking. Now whether it be general or academic um, it's important that you understand a few things. The main thing is this that in the IELTS exam um, just basically speak until the test examiner tells you that that's fine, you can stop now and they move you on to something else. Try not to run out of things to say. Um, You know, many times people are nervous, I understand that. It's totally reasonable to be a little bit apprehensive, but I'd like you to consider that, frankly speaking, the more you are nervous and anxious about what's going to go on in the day, the less chance there is of you being able to actually perform as you need to do. So the first tip here is just to calm yourself. Now, let's talk about some centering techniques. Um, The students that I'm working with who do this are seeing better results. Um, They're staying in control of the situation. They're able to keep their brains functioning and online because remember what I've said in other podcasts, um, when we get stressed or anxious or nervous, our adrenaline and cortisol kicks up to such a high level that it stops our body from actually having the brain work well. Because at that moment in time, the body is a smart bit of kit. It just thinks danger. It thinks there's a tiger, a volcano, an earthquake, you know, it's kind of not evolved um, in the same way as, say, the rest of us to live in a digital world. So it just reacts very biologically and straight away, understandably and very smartly, it diverts the blood flow from your brain to your arms, your legs, your lungs, your heart, which is why you get that pounding heart, that kind of uh, feeling that you've got to go, that, that fight or flight kind of, ah, just get me out of here, right? Because that is your body reacting to those stress hormones. But here's the thing, if the blood is being directed away to your heart and your lungs and whatever to punch the tiger or run as fast as you can, okay, or lift something if you've been crushed by something, it's not going to be functioning well um, to help power your brain. Right? It can only be in one place at one time. So that means that your ability to speak significantly drops, it deteriorates, which is why you may have had those awful moments um, in a public conversation or something where you just go blank. Right? Just like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna say now because you got so nervous. So it's really important that we try to keep you calm. Now, the, the, the main technique to do this, it's a fantastic biological hack, it works 100% of the time because we are using a system that you are born with, okay? We've just forgotten how to breathe. So the first thing I show my clients in our coaching sessions is how to breathe into the nose, like deeply, like hold it for a few seconds, then breathe out through your mouth as deeply as you can. So into the nose, it's really important, it's into the nose for like a count of four, and then hold for one, two breaths, and then breathe out for a count of four. Make it as deep as you can. Now, okay, clearly you're not going to do that necessarily as obviously as that in a meeting, presentation, or in your IELTS test, but you can do it kind of, yeah, very subtly, right? You can just breathe into your nose and then 
just a bit of a sigh, most people wouldn't know what you're doing, but you're still using that technique to calm yourself down. And I'd like you to realize that you can do that in the exam, in the test room, okay? Um, the, there is no reason for you to immediately start speaking. When you get given that cue card um, and you have to formulate your, your thoughts in your head and start speaking about it for a couple of minutes, you don't need to jump into it straight away. Take your time. Breathe first to get your thoughts in order because it will activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the system that tells your body to reduce those hormones, to reduce those chemicals, the adrenaline, the cortisol, dropping it down, it's signaling you're safe now. And that's what I'd like you to do when I do this with my students. And if you, you want to experience this in person to try this with me, you can get a free 30 minute session to, to do that um, at initial-impact.com. So feel free to grab that while you can. Um, then it, it works. Okay? They immediately feel calmer, more relaxed and more focused. So breathing is the tip, is the key here. All right, that's the first thing I'd like you to do. I'd also like you before you go into your IELTS exam, and this also works with any other speaking exams or performances in general, right? Okay, I would like you to warm up prior to going into that exam. So many times students, for some reason, go, you know, they're, they're rushing like crazy to get to the test center or to go to the conference or wherever they're speaking or just to, to log online and they haven't been practicing in English, they haven't been warming up their brain and getting their brain thinking in English prior to starting. This is a big problem. It's like an athlete trying to run, you know, do a sprint or something at the Olympics. What do we see them doing? They warm up prior to running the race, okay? And swimmers at the side of the pool are stretching and bending, aren't they? And kind of flexing and they're getting their mind geared up. They're sending signals to their mind that this is what we're doing now and getting themselves in that flow state. I would like you to do the same. You are no different than an athlete, okay? Why on earth would you attempt to throw yourself into your IELTS exam from, say, thinking in, I don't know, Turkish or Arabic or Chinese or whatever, and then immediately expect yourself to perform extremely well without warming up? Impossible, okay? Impossible. It will be messy and you're going to have some slowness to start with until the brain warms up. I often see this in my coaching sessions that if we just do a 30-minute session, it's usually by the 15 minute mark that people are starting to really flow, okay? And they're now finding what they wanted to say and the brain is, okay, thinking now in English. So it's much better to get the most out of your sessions that if, if you come into a session or a test, speak a little bit before and then your brain is already switched on, you're kind of ready for that session and you're going to get more performance out of yourself and you're gonna be pleased with your results, okay? So that's another top tip for you. Now, as I said at the beginning, it's important in IELTS that you speak until that examiner stops you. You really want that, but what I'm not suggesting is that you just make up a load of fluff. Now, fluff is just stuff to fill the time, right? It doesn't have any purpose of being there, it's just like waffle and padding. Um, you'll see that a lot if you write essays and you're using too many words and you could just edit it all down and before you know it your 250 word article becomes like 150. That means you've got a lot of fluff in there that doesn't need to be there. So make sure that what you're including counts. Now the great way to be able to get yourself enough to speak about in IELTS because sometimes it is a, a problem. Uh, you might get be so you might be asked uh, something about a subject you don't know a lot about. Um, and you know, you might have n n no personal experience of it, for example, on the part twos. 
Um, these can be challenges and can really throw students off, but you don't need to. Here's the tactic I would suggest you can use. Always use compare and contrast wherever possible in your IELTS, right? So for example, if you just, if they say, well, um, could you describe a time um, when you um, went on a fantastic memorable holiday, family holiday? Now, um, you could you could just talk about that, but maybe you don't have a lot to speak about. So you could talk about the time you went on a family holiday and then you could use some comparisons along the way in that story. Remember, you've got to answer the IELTS question. Okay, so stay focused on the subject. Do not get taken off at a tangent, and that's a lovely word. Um, it basically means if you go off at a tangent, you digress, you move away from the original topic you're gonna to be speaking about, and that would downmark you, would give you lower marks because the examiner would think you didn't understand the question, when in fact what's happened is you've got distracted. Okay, so try to stay focused on what was the original question. So if they're talking about holiday, a memorable holiday you had, and maybe you don't have really a memorable holiday as such, pick the best one that you can think of, okay? Maybe be honest, say, well, actually, you know, I don't have a lot of memorable holidays. Sadly, when I was a child, we didn't go away a lot. And however, there was a great, you know, school summer holiday where I spent, you know, six weeks playing in the garden with my friends. And um, it was so much better okay than the previous holiday that i had um the year before um when none of my friends were available to play because they all had chicken pox and measles or whatever it was so try to find things that you can compare and contrast but stay on topic talk about that holiday that they want you to be saying is the most memorable experience okay um if it's something like, um, could you give, you know, do you think that children should be given pocket money to help out with standard chores around the house? Okay, that's a great one to use compare and contrast in. Um, so you, instead of just saying what your point of view is, like, yes, I believe it's a great thing children receive money, or no, I don't, because I think it doesn't encourage children to become part of the family unit and always expect to, to have money every time they just do something as basic as washing the dishes and, and throwing out the trash, which you know is expected as part of the family unit. Um, what you can do is compare both. So you can say, well, from, from one point of view, I believe that it is helpful for children um, to receive um, some uh, money um, if they are doing chores around the house. It encourages children to be motivated and also teaches them good financial management skills because they then can decide how they want to use that money to purchase things for themselves and encouraging them to be independent adults. It also teaches them the value of money that once you earn it, um, if you spend it then it can go quickly and um, however on the other hand so you see what I've done there I'm then switching and saying however on the other hand it could also be a bad thing to do and um, by rewarding children or people uh, sorry children expecting people to reward them every time they do something as basic as throwing out the trash and they refuse to do so unless they get paid um, really rewards the wrong type of behavior um, that there shouldn't be any sort of sense of self-service or commitment to the family unit to be part of a bigger system and to help the household run effectively. So you can hear what I'm doing there and, and listen to the words I've used. It's some large words there, you know. Um, it's important that you, you look at the content of what you're saying um, and like I say, try to give both sides of the coin. That's a nice idiom. So on the one hand, there's this. On the flip side, there's that. 
okay? And, and look at the different ways that you can express that. So that's another key tip to enable you to speak for as long as you can. So ideally the examiner stops you and you're not including fluff, okay? You want to keep succinct and to the facts and that will allow you to do it. And the other thing I would say to you is that when you're looking at your vocabs and stuff, pick areas to focus on that you know very little about. Because in your practice sessions, many students just want to practice the stuff they love talking about, right? Okay, that's understandable, but here's the thing. It's not going to help you at all when they ask you a question you know very little about. If you've been avoiding them in your practice sessions, it cannot help you at all when you get to that reality in the actual IELTS test. So go and do the hard work now. Now you might say, oh, I don't want to, you know, so, but look, you want a great score, okay? And IELTS is very unforgiving. It's probably the most rigorous exam I know of, and it is the gold standard. So many of my students, I ask them, I say, look, okay, if I asked you a question, about a particular subject, which subject would you hate to be asked about? Which one would you be like, oh, I don't know enough vocab, I don't have enough knowledge about this. And then we choose that topic on purpose to practice and coach in to try and build that strength. So whereas in other things, I often say, okay, don't focus on your weaknesses, but focus on your stronger points. With IELTS, you have to change that thinking because if you've got a weak point with some of your areas of knowledge or subject or vocabulary, IELTS will expose it like nothing else, okay? And I don't want any of you to be in that situation in an exam, all right? I really want the best for you all. So focus on the stuff that you know you struggle with. And how? How do you do that? Well, I recommend you you listen, you read, you listen to podcasts about certain subjects, um, you do your YouTube videos, you read articles or papers on it. But here's the thing. I don't want you to just do passive listening. Many times students come to me and the biggest mistakes you're making is you just think by listening podcasts while you're washing up the dishes or while you're out running and just letting it wash over you or the YouTube video on the background, you know, while you're, you're making the kids dinner is going to somehow magically sink in. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't have a subconscious level. It's good to be surrounded by the sounds of English and to pick up the, the words as you're going. But when we're practicing ready for IELTS or um, you know, OET exam, you absolutely have to do active listening. So by that, I mean set yourself a timer, 10 minutes, okay? And I want you to tell everybody, leave me alone. Nobody's to knock on your door. You switch all your cell phone alerts off, please, okay? I don't want you to be distracted looking at your phone in these 10 minutes or anything. When you're ready to go, set up the work, whatever you're gonna be looking at to study, maybe it's a, a YouTube short, um, a podcast, um, a piece of reading or writing that you're going to do. When you hit that timer to start your 10 minute countdown to focus, I want you to focus like your life depends on it. Nothing else should distract you, not even drinking water or going to the toilet. Sit there, get it done, okay? Now, when you do that, you are doing quality quality research and learning rather than the quantity. Often students will say, oh, I'm going to set aside an hour every day. And it's like, that will not work. We all know that something will get in the way. We have very busy lives. And then when you don't do your one hour, then you think, oh, I have to double time. I'll make up two hours tomorrow. If you don't manage to do that, it puts you under more pressure. And then some students think, I'm just gonna give up. I'm useless at this. I can't, I can't make time for it, right? Okay. 
So I say to my students, and it works really well, I just want you to do 10 minutes. Even if you feel you could do more, I want you to stop. When that timer goes, at the end of your 10 minutes, I want you to say, stop. Even if you're loving it, even if you think I could go a lot longer, I want you to purposely stop because I'm using a psychological principle here that I want you to be eager to come back the day after to do it again. So if we've interrupted you, you're like, oh, but I wanted to carry on doing that. So you'll look forward to doing it tomorrow. Whereas if, if you overdo it, like some students do, I had one student who was doing like three hours a day and it was just relentless and kind of made himself sick in the end because he was just going and going and going and he thought it was going to help him be more productive but actually he was overwhelming his brain um, your brain cannot focus for more than 45 minutes at a time without needing to switch to a different task for a bit and then come back so I always say start, start off with 10 minutes. You can build it up later if you want or do a couple of sessions of 10 minutes during the day, but space it out. And what I'd also like you to do there is to be actively listening. So when you're, you're, you know, you're watching those podcasts about the subjects you don't know much about, pick out the vocab, write them down, get them written down and then learn what they mean. And then I'd like you in that session to actually practice using the vocabs you've learned, the sentence structures that you've heard other people use in your own version of, say, discussing something out loud to yourself and record it. Record yourself and watch it back. Now, again, many people say, I don't want to listen to myself. Oh, it's it. Well, I'm sorry. Here's the newsflash. You've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you want to improve your performance, just do that. Okay, don't think about what I sound like or whatever, because it allows you to observe yourself as other people are, and in, very importantly, the IELTS examiner. So if you hear yourself then overusing or repeating certain phrases or pausing longer or uh, 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 and repeating and just using fluff, you can now deal with that. Because far better for you to understand this now, when you can do something about it, than do that in the exam and get a really low score and then you have to repeat the test all over again, right? Okay, so if any of this is kind of sounding good to you or curious or you've not tried this before, I highly recommend you give it a go. I'd also say that once you've done those sessions, make a tally chart. Every time you do a session, put a line on a chart and I want you to put it somewhere you can see it to motivate yourself. So you can look at the fridge door or the, the front door or in your car or wherever you're gonna put this and you can think, I've done five sessions this week of 10 minutes, that's 50 minutes, okay, of focused quality English practice. So you're gonna feel good and motivated about it. I want you to be able to see the impact that you're making. And that's a, a podcast I'm gonna do for another time is that we all need to see whether we're making an impact. If we have no idea of our progress, we can get very demotivated. Um, just think, well, what's the point? Disinterested, and then we, we drop out, right? Okay, so I don't want you to do that. What I'd like you to do, and I'd love you to try this, is this technique. Give it a go. Let me know how you get on. If you're struggling with it and you want to try to do it in practice with me, book a 30-minute free session. I'd be delighted to help you. Uh, the links are all down below. And um, There's also some great links to some books uh, that will help you prepare for IELTS. Um, I recommend these to many of my students. And as you know, if you listen to my podcast by now, 10% of that goes to 
uh, maintaining independent bookstores and the other 10% helps me uh, continue making these podcasts for you free of charge and also getting the foundation set up here to help the street kids in the Philippines to become mini entrepreneurs and improve their families' lives. So I hope this has really helped you and there's a lot more I could tell you about IELTS speaking but those are the main ones I'd like you to focus on today. Let's see how you get on with that. If you've got any questions you can drop me a message on Telegram, the links are down below and I just wish you every best of success. Remember breathing is the key to staying calm and keeping that brain online. Don't forget to breathe. <laughs> it's the biggest super weapon I can give you all and stay safe and good luck. See you soon. Hello everybody and sorry to interrupt but I just wanted to mention a few things that can help you all right so I want to help as many of you as possible you can get a free 30 minute check of your English level your OET IELTS or any other things that you're trying to achieve here with me as you're trying to pass your interviews maybe you're attempting to get a job overseas you would like to know how you're sounding and what a native speaker really would say about your responses in an interview or an IELTS or OET test, for example. Um, check out that at eslbusinessenglishexperts.com. If you're looking more for career and immigration coaching and would like to discuss your plans, then you can hit me up over at initial-impact.com. But both of those sites, the links take you to the same end result, which is a booking page, 30 minutes free of charge to book your session, time and date you pick on Zoom. Also, if you're doing IELTS and OET and you would like help with your written or speaking tasks too, and you don't or can't have the time to book a session with me in person on a live call, which again, I can do. You can get live one-to-one -one coaching on Zoom anytime you like. But if it's hard for you, then take advantage of my IELTS and OET written and spoken task service, which means that you buy credits, 10 credits, 10 tasks, and you can submit your spoken audio files to me for critique and review, and then I will respond within 36 hours with a full review of your transcript and to tell you where you sounded good, where it fell down, and the corrections, okay? And um, for your written IELTS and OET, again, you can select all the tasks on my booking site, which the links are all, uh, all available. If you just go to eslbusinessenglishexperts.com, you can find all of these services there and follow the links. And what you'll be able to do is get a response from me within 36 hours with correction of your written task. And then you get a chance to do it again with the corrections I've suggested. And I will also expand and give some of the native phrases you might like to consider. So you're going to find out how to make yourself sound better, to hit the magical number um, that you need to get for word count, pass and get the higher grade, and also how to expand your sentences and create essays because many students are struggling to know even how to, to create an academic layout of an essay. Um, you're going to fall down there too. When it comes to OET, it's slightly different, but the same process applies. We look at how you structure those referral letters and how you write the client and the patient notes. Okay, So it's very specific, depending on whether it's OET or IELTS. Um, I do it all. Me and my team, we are here to help you. Okay, So don't hesitate to reach out. And of course, please, 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 if you'd like to purchase any books, then you can get that from the bookstore links. Again, you'll find those all on the site. So good luck, everybody, and hope to help you soon.